This is true buzz that Mary Jane. Now we ain't new to this. From my stones and from my cannabis enthusiasts. Never heard a show as good as this. Uh, number one, it's the best. Bringing in many special guests in the industry of cannabis. Business owners to growers, even artists you know of. So sit back and just roll up. Perfect show for my smokers. True buzz. Hey. Welcome to the True Bud Show podcast. It's your buddy, your friend, your humble host, Jack Woltering here, and we have a fun episode in store today. We're going to do a deep dive into creative thinking and cannabis. Today, I have Sean Gold, CEO and founder of Pilgrim Soul, a mission-driven cannabis brand focused on optimizing the human creative experience to gain a competitive edge in business and life. Until recently, Sean was CMO of Lowell Herbco, one of the fastest growing and most talked about brands in the game. I've heard of them for sure. He has been an advisor to other leading cannabis brands, including Medmen and Charlotte's Web. Previous to Lowell in the cannabis space, his work experience is amazing. And I'm going to start there today and we're going to move forward to where Pilgrim Soul is now, where it's going and kind of the process behind it, the name and what products can we expect in the future. So without further ado, come hang out with me and Sean for a fun podcast today. I really like your quote here. So I was thinking I was just going to start out um, and read your quote on uh, creativity there that opens the book. And a big thanks for sending the journal out my way. I've been getting into it. It's really cool. So thank you, Sean. Thanks for coming on today. So creative thinking is a competitive edge in so many aspects of life and work. It's about reinventing, experimenting, growing, taking risks breaking rules, making mistakes, and having fun. That's awesome, man. So tell me your story of kind of how you started, and um, we'll get to the Pilgrim Soul here, which I'm very excited to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of, I've been in startups and businesses that, you know, my business has been really imagining businesses, you know, early and even before the internet, I had this company where you could listen to music on the telephone and, uh, you know, because I'm old and, I was in business before the internet. Um, so you could listen to like hip hop songs and all these songs that just couldn't get on the radio. You could like go through a magazine when people bought magazines and kind of like check out all these, you know, tracks on your phone. Just get to catch the vibe because, you know, radio was the main way that people heard stuff. And, you know, there was only so much of that. And a lot of, you know, it was hard to get on the radio. So this was a kind of a cool, innovative thing at the time. And, you know, early in my career, kind of like an ADD kind of guy who, you know, just wasn't that great at school, smart, but just not a great student, had trouble paying attention. So, you know, I, I never, I never really, you know, a lot of the great jobs I was not getting, I couldn't get past human resources, these companies, they just didn't get me and probably wasn't a right fit. So the only companies that I really could get hired for were, were new ideas, people who needed people to imagine things, who you know needed people to think outside the box. And I was an early guy in MySpace, you know, helping figure out social media. I was an early guy in the blog space, figuring out how the you know blogs work and uh, develop some blogs like Engadget and Autoblog and Joystick and the tech space. Um, Really, you know, building internet sites and a company called Wattpad helped scale that business in the early days of that. That's like a 60 million users now sharing fan fiction across the world. Um, and then I was at this fashion company called Textile, and 
we had brands like Fabletics with Kate Hudson. We launched Rihanna's lingerie brand. And this was the first company to do subscription fashion and scale to about a billion dollars. So that was all cool. But once that we figured out the model, it got kind of boring. So cannabis, I mean, I've used cannabis for creativity my whole life. I've One of my secrets to success has been really getting a second opinion from cannabis, using cannabis to like focus in on issues. You know, oddly enough, you know, some people get high and they, you know, just dream and they can't focus on anything. For me, it helps me actually focus on stuff. So using it to focus and using it for empathy and using it to make nonlinear connections. I've been able to come up with a bunch of ideas for some of these big companies. You know, when I pitch my ideas when in meetings and stuff, I didn't say, hey, I thought of this while I was stoned. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would have been the truth in a lot of cases. Um, but the cannabis space, you know, I have a company based on cannabis and creativity, helping people use cannabis to be more creative, to tap into their innate creativity. And like, I probably came up with this idea when I was 15, you know, and it just took, I took a one, it wasn't legal. And there wasn't really an opportunity to do something like this. But everything I've done in my career has kind of led me to this moment. And what's great about the cannabis business is that it's just not figured out, you know, there's so much to figure out. So the, the, the opportunity to get bored with it, uh, will be a quite a long time down the road. There's so much, you know, so much going on. Yeah, it's a very exciting space to your point. And you have such a cool story. And thank you for sharing that background. It's awesome how it's led to this point now with the Pilgrim Soul and your yeah. whole journey with that. And you would just have kind of when you were doing these um like brainstorming sessions, you would kind of just smoke and just let it or I guess what yeah. I should ask, do you have a favorite strain or do you prefer um what's your favorite way totally. to smoke? Well, you know, the first, I, I smoked, when I was first smoking, you know, we weren't really getting the strain. I was in, I was in like New York City and New Jersey where I grew up. And I'm from Jersey got, too. Oh, you are? Yeah. <laughs> Central Jersey. Um, so we just got, um, you know, weed. It was like Mexican weed or Thai weed or Jamaican. There wasn't really a strain attached to it. And then there was this strain g13 that i got like it was the first strain and it was it was so strong i, I kind of got like a headache when i first smoked it. it was i was so high it was like nothing i'd ever smoked before it put me in a whole nother stratosphere and i, I used to get it from the, the guitar player in john McEnroe's band in new york city and uh so th that once i sort of hit on that i started looking for strains and understanding strains. And now like my go-to creative strain would be like a Jack Herrera in California or an XJ13, which is also like a Jack combo. Uh, that's, I kind of lean into that. And I certainly like sativas hot, you know, sativas tend to be the more creative strains, you know, creativity, focus, energy, euphoria, creativity. I mean, sativas generally lean into that area. So, you know, those are my favorites. Um, as far as like thinking, so I used all these different creative techniques, you know, my whole life, besides using cannabis, I've always, you know, I've read a lot about uh, different ideation, creativity, brainstorming techniques. And in this journal that I created, Pilgrim Soul Creative Thinking Journal, meant to be used while you're high. Um, 
I employed a lot of these classic thinking techniques. I just dumbed them down. Uh, I put the instructions in a paragraph instead of like three pages because no one wants to read instructions while they're high. No one wants <laughs> to read instructions while they're not high for that matter. Uh, so I dumbed them down and I made and I made the exercises really kind of fun and whimsical and nonsensical because we want to laugh and have a good time and share laughter and experiences with our friends when we're high. So they're really designed to do with other people, to laugh at yourself and look into yourself and challenge your perspective on things. Um, and then I explain why on the page, as you know, you've seen the book, because some of these things are so ridiculous. So you're like, how is this helping me with creativity? So I let you know the mechanics behind how the exercise will help you. And then we give an example. Um, so that was kind of how I came, I, I formulated the, the journal. It was a grand experiment. The reason I came up with it, I, so I have a cannabis uh, uh, brand, Pilgrim Soul, that is launching this month in California. And there's various, it's solely focused on creativity. So there's four different blends, creative awareness blend, creative reflection blend, uh, creative focus blend, and uh, creative imagination blend. And th those are distinctive types of creativity, how we approach, approach creativity. Um, and I've worked with these cannabis scientists, these guys at Abstracts Tech um, in, in Irvine. They're genius. They're really some of the best, you know, they're, multiple PhDs in analytical chemistry. They do the oils for Jack Herrera family. They do it for Sherbinsky and for Josh D who invented the OG strain. Uh, they make like 3D models of the cannabinoids and terpenes and then they extract the oil, model it again, see what's missing, try to put stuff back where they can. Really advanced stuff. So we looked at maybe like a hundred different strains. I mean, they've analyzed over 1200 different strains, but for me, we hyper-focused on a hundred different strains that index high for creativity based on survey data from Leafly and a bunch of other sites. And then we, we looked at not only strains that index high for creativity, but also focus and euphoria and relaxation and so on and so forth. So we combine, you know, we highlight, we pick strains that have different terpene cannabinoid profiles, put them together to be, again, the creative focus or creative awareness or creative imagination or creative reflection blends. Now, with all that science, you can still, you know, smoke my creative awareness blend and think about, you know, your ex-husband or your, you know, your mortgage or your car repair. Like, there's no guarantee you're going to have a creative experience. Um, so the way you put it together is that it's, you know, the, the science is about 30% of it. There is a sort of placebo effect in that you need to, you know, you need to have, be in the right headspace and believe that you can be creative. If you think you're not going to be creative, and you're going to judge yourself, and you're going to, you know, then it's not going to work. So, and cannabis certainly helps with that of getting past some of those things. And then the the last thing is this curriculum. So the reason I created the journals is they're meant to be used while you're high, with it can be a creative strain or or one of my products. Um, but they're sort of like guardrails on the experience. So you're more likely to have a focused creative experience if you do these exercises while you're high and you'll get some unique output. So I, I kind of make it easy. The journals are meant to kind of make it easy for you to like tap into your innate creativity. The thesis, 
you know, for the whole brand is that we're all born creative. You know, we're, when you're, you're, you know, a child and you're, you know, you're, the world is, everything is creative. Everything is magical. Plants, soil, you know, you just, you feel everything. You, you imagine everything. It's, it's just, you know, a child is just this ball of creativity. There's a famous study. There's a, the most popular TED talk of all time is, is one, it's called How Schools Have Killed Creativity and We Desperately Need to Bring It Back. And it's by this guy, um, Sir uh, Kenneth Robinson, who recently passed away. And he, he uh, references this study by a guy named George Bland in the 1960s, who was hired by NASA to identify their most creative scientists, put them on innovation projects. And he created this test for divergent thinking, which is kind of no holes barred imagination based thinking. And he gave the same test to 1600 kindergartners, five-year-olds. And 95% of these five-year-olds tested expert level creative. He gave the same test to the same group of kids five years later when they were in the sixth grade at 10 years old and 15% of them tested expert level creative. Like the school system and the world had breeded creativity out of them. You know, they told them mistakes are bad, creative people don't make any money, whatever, you know, whatever we do, you know, we, we have this school system that's, uh, that's based on like siloed thinking really built for the industrial age and we, again, we, you know, we breed creativity out of kids. So the whole, this brand, Pilgrim Soul, is not about teaching people to be creative as much as it is about helping you to tap into your innate creativity. And the tool set is expert content on pilgrimsoul.com, the journals and, and the cannabis itself. Yeah, huh? Because just over time, that barrier of the imagination or whatever it may be builds up. And to your point of the kids, I say this all the time because I have tons of nieces and nephews and siblings. I just love hanging out with them when they're little, especially, and just trying to fully be in that moment with them because that's what I'm like, oh, dang, you know, it takes you away. And then when I'm done playing with them, I'm like, oh, I was just in a whole nother world that I wouldn't have been in without the imagination of somebody so young and, you know, oh. innocent at that time. It's, it's really cool. Now, now with your products there, is it going to be just, are you, how, how is it going to be sold? Is it going to be like eighths? Is it going to be pre-rolls? Uh, well, rolls? This is a great question. I'm launching, so my favorite way to consume is flour. No holes barred. It's, uh, um, you know, it's just as nature intended, the entourage effect of cannabis. Um, but what I'm launching is a live resin blend to start, an oil, um, which is a you know, it's, it's, it's as good an oil as you can possibly get. And working with these guys like Abstracts Tech um, is a way to kind of get as full spectrum with an oil as possible. So this is, I don't know, just for the people who are there at home, this is an example of some of the packaging. These are my first, um, this is just two of the four, but my first collection is a, is a collaboration with four different female street artists. And then you open it. looks awesome. This is sort of the, you know, this is just the creative imagination blend, but the vape oh, wow. matches the outside. And not only is it cool and you can use this as your stash box, you know, later, but it's also a tin. So it's recyclable and upcyclable. And, you know, and then we, we explain kind of the creative reflection blend, what it's about. And on the back is information about the artist. Um, big, you know, a lot of respect for, artists, and we, you know, the social justice aspect of the business is working with 
marginalized artists, inner city artists, more undiscovered artists where like giving them 2000 bucks or so is you know, meaningful versus working with big artists. So we, we put them on our packaging, we promote them, we give them cash um, and we're just starting out. So ideally we make that a bigger and bigger thing. What interesting enough, when I first started this brand, I was at Lowell Herb Company, like one of the great, you know, original cannabis brands, uh, the beautiful pre-rolls. Um, but when I was there, I did this collaboration with a friend of mine, um, CJ Wallace, who's Notorious B.I.G.'s kid, and then his partner, Willie Mack. And we, um, they have a company, an entity called Think Big, promoting creativity and social justice. Um, and we did a creative blend with them. Like we sent them seven different strains that index high for creativity. And they chose, they chose, I forgot, they chose orange sherbet, banjo, and one other, I can't remember what the other one was, but um, so we created this bespoke blend and we gave, I forget how, what percent, but a portion of the proceeds to the California Prison Arts Project. And we sold out of like 10,000 packs in a week. It was just, you know, consumers were into the creativity blend. They were into the, you know, the social justice aspect of it. And it was just a hit. So that's when I decided to kind of leave Lowell and just jump into cannabis for creativity full time. And I'm stoked to try those too, because I love live resin and I love the route you're going with that. Cause like you're saying, um, I feel like it's the best you can get that's closest that resembles that flower to give you that entourage effect. And that the, sh the art on those look cool, man. I'm ex I'm excited to try me cool. this month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they come out. Yeah. They're going to be in the store called the high note in LA first, and then probably roll out to a store called coastal, probably MedMen, some, some uh, delivery services. The, um, I'm trying to, so in the, I just set the blends. So like in the, in Creative Reflection, I think it's Blue Dream, Pineapple Express and Cherry Pie. So I'm mixing three different strains together, which is pretty unique for live resin. Usually you just buy live resin. This is kind of, uh, it, it's really, I just, I haven't actually seen this happen before where someone mixes different blends of oil. I haven't so, either, actually, on the live resin. So, and then we have, I think the creative imagination brand is Wookie Fruit and Jack Herrera and Super Lemon Haze. And then the, I have a, no, sorry, I have Malawi, which is a sativa with XJ13 and also Super Lemon Haze. And then, what is the other one? I can't remember the other one. Mouth's watering over here. I know <laughs> they all sound tasty too. <laughs> I know, and I tasting all these was really amazing. Like just you know going through all these strains and mixing them and tasting them. And like no, a little more of this, a little more of that. I would get like a stuff. chef finding that secret little spot, huh? <laughs> it, it was yeah. I would get so my manufacturer is like two hours away from where I live. So after a while, I just had to get a, like my friend to drive me. I couldn't. <laughs> getting way too high and driving back from the from the plant a little uh a little tester shuttle huh <laughs> yeah it made, and then i'm yeah and i yeah it was it was getting dangerous testing all this cannabis yeah i mean man I, i'm excited like i said to try those and dive deeper into this journal awesome. because um awesome <laughs> uh, 
because with the journal, even like I said, I've just been getting started, but even those first couple pages, man, I actually like already learning stuff, like getting into it. And it's really cool. And like, I guess, how long did it take you? I know you said since you were kind of 15, this has kind of been working its way in your head. Yeah. Like, how long did it take you to kind of, you know, assemble everything together? What was kind of the process yeah, there a little more? I'd say, I mean, there's a bunch of answers to that in that, well, it took me about a year. So I, I, I was pitching this idea to investors and stuff, and I didn't, I knew I was going to create a journal, but I didn't actually know what it was going to be. Um, so it took me about a year to for the whole thing to congeal and to figure out the format and and come up with all the exercises. Right now, I could probably do it in like three months because I have the formula, but it took me about a year to figure it out. Um, and then, but, but, you know, there's a lifetime of experience to even come up with those exercises and understand, you know, the mechanisms and stuff like that. So it, you know, creativity, I was, I read a lot about creativity and research creativity and something that was really charming to hear was that when you're like a lot of creative geniuses are really productive when they're older, you know, they, they do a lot of stuff when they're younger too but you always worry about sort of petering out when you're older and losing your edge, you know, creativity. But what made them kind of creative when they were older was their references. They, you know, they have, uh, my wife's a, a pretty well-known photographer and designer. And she talks about how, you know, she's more creative now than she's ever been because she has all these architectural references and they just acquire over time and she doesn't lose them and when you're a young person kind of dreaming up it's like young person say doing interior design or something you don't necessarily have those references so it's interesting it may be very comforting as i'm getting a little older that you know i could you know you always i just you just worry about you know i watched a lot of like my dad you know become sort of complacent telling the same jokes over and over again and i was like I don't want to be that old guy who tells the same jokes and doesn't come up with new ideas and just you know like rests on default thinking. That's a, and that's that's actually a big part of the book where you got to challenge default thinking. We all you know you may have thought about a topic, you kind of wrapped it up in a little package, you have your opinion formed on that and you know when someone asks you a question, you go back to that. You don't even you don't even think about it. Like, this is my answer to that. And that the book is very much about challenging default thinking and getting out of that headspace and looking at things from a, turning them on their ear and looking at things from a different way. It's about, you know, minimizing negative thinking, which is another great killer of creativity. Um, it's about going with your gut, which isn't, you know, going with your gut, which is also, which is different from going with default thinking, but using your instincts taking more risks, you know, we, we, as we get older, we tend to, you know, not even as we go to older, people are just often scared of taking risks and people are super scared of judgment. So that's another, one of the big tenets of the book, like limit judgment. There's a, one of the mechanisms in the book to help get past, we have an exercise in there called horrible poems, which, you know, if you're trying to make a horrible poem, it's difficult to fail. So <laughs> we, Instead of like write a poem, we say just make a horrible poem. Like try to make it bad, and you're in a situation where 
either it's so bad it's like good it's like so awful it's like the best awful you've read or you're actually a pretty good poet and you share that and you know that that's kind of interesting so all the all the exercises are set up to help people succeed and really kind of you know understand themselves look inside of themselves um so the creative reflection section is about really looking inside of yourself one of the exercises would be you know write a letter to yourself at 80 you know what advice would you give yourself what did you do since you were 25 you know and it allows you to kind of think about your path think about where you want to be look inside yourself um the creative focus section one of my favorite exercises is so creative focus is like combining logic and creativity um, to accomplish a goal. And one of them, one of the exercises is um, about you know, you're the coach of your kids' peewee basketball team. You're up 10 points at the half, but you bet heavily against them. You know, <laughs> give a halftime speech to help your team, you know, lose with dignity while you trash yours. And it's kind of inane. If you read this exercise, you know, if you read this in one of the classic creativity books, it would tell it be tell you to give a motivational speech, which that's not that fun. But a speech teaching your team how to lose so you can win money, that's fun. So, <laughs> so and then I'll tell you why. You know, the why it's it's about like manipulation through storytelling and empathy, empathy with the kids' parents, empathy with the kids, understanding you know, the, the cultural aspects of what you're trying to do and the, the word choice and the analogies and like all this subtext that's happening is you're just, you know, trying to be a jerk. So it's, so that's, that's the, what an example of like creative focus, creative awareness is riffing on the world around you. So one of the exercises is write a field guide for a coffee shop, like go to a coffee shop and look at one of the people like they're basically an animal in the world and write a field guide for them. What are their habits? What are their, what's their diet? You know, what are their mating habits? You know, like just try <laughs> to look at these uh, human beings like as, you know, zoo animals and, and characterize them. Um, and then another would be creative imagination, which is, you know, just no holds barred divergent thinking. One of the exercises is, you know, the first exercise in the book you may, is, uh, three, the classic, you know, three lies and one truth. So come up with just three lies and one truth. And there's an example in there. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if you read it yet. Did you read that exercise yet? Uh, which one with the three one, lies? Three lies and one truth. Did you um, see I, that one? I think I don't, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it. I can it give yet. you the, the challenge right now. And I, one of, there's a challenge in the bottom. I'm going to give you four things and you got to tell me which one is the truth. Okay, um, in 10%, uh, no, hold on a second. <laughs> I gotta think of what's in there. 10% um, of people born in Europe in the last year were conceived in an Ikea bed, one. In the early 1800s, 99 cent stores were exclusively for the rich. Um, hold on. I gotta find my book to find what the, wait, I can't remember the examples here. Hold on a sec. 
Well, you go. I'm, I'm flipping through mine as well here. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm really blowing this uh, exercise here. So, oh yeah. So one out of ten people were born in Europe. One out of ten people born in Europe this year were conceived in IKEA bed. One. The average person swallows six spiders a year in their sleep. Two. Coconuts are considered mammals because they have hair and produce milk. Three. In the early 1800s, 99 cent stores were exclusively for the rich. Which one do you think is real? The uh, spiders. That is a common answer, but that is not the correct one. So, <laughs> but a lot of people say that because it was the, there was this internet meme like in the 2000s where that was being propagated as truth, but it's actually, it's actually kind of like a meme and a false thing. One out of every 10 people uh, born in Europe this year were conceived in an Ikea bed. There's so many Ikea beds that, uh, and this was, I read this particular fact in the New Yorker magazine. So they have pretty good fact checkers. I like that one. I like that. <laughs> right? So coming up with stuff like that, and then there's a, adult coloring pages in there and really kind That's of- where I spent a good amount of time. I've just been- coloring away on one of these pages in here i kind of skipped ahead a little bit because uh, yeah. another another question with this um i got like the pencils and then those cool like uh sheets that you sketch on too does that yeah. come with does that sold separately those are, typically those are, those are sold separately but um yeah they're all the products we create are meant to be used while you're high they're they're meant to like enhance creativity while you're high so and there's a couple other products we have down the line that are you know enhance the, again the different types of creativity and we're working on a bunch more journals too. We so this journal was meant to be like a giveaway with the cannabis. We put it out first because COVID kind of rearranged the whole business. So we put that out and it was shocking. I mean, we have sold in the last four months, we've sold like two million dollars worth of these journals. Damn, congrats on that. Awesome. And it was, you know, it was totally a labor of love. We put it together. It was like again, we were gonna, we weren't sure we were really gonna give it away. Um, it's kind of expensive to make, so we we definitely charge for it's it. quality for sure. I can you can feel it. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah. So it's it's been like this thing unto its own. And what's really cool about that is when we were pitching this idea to some investors and stuff, they're like, I don't know about cannabis and creativity. Like you're you're probably not. I mean, that just seems innate. It's it's so obvious to me, <laughs> but and probably to you. Uh, but what's great about this journal is it's, you know, with so many people buying it and using it and sharing it, like product market fit is really undeniable. Like people want to be creative when they're high. Um, they just, there's not a lot of products. I mean, you could, if you talk to an informed bud tender and you go in, you know, they may know like great strains to be creative, um, on pilgrimsoul.com. I, there's like four different articles we have on can, which strains to buy for creativity. Um, you can check those out and there's a, you know, you can Google it. There's a bunch of other articles on that on the web. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, a, and I, to some investors credit, it was the minute they heard it, they, you know, it was immediate, they got it. Um, but the lesson for me was finance people should not be in charge of raising, you know, like really investing in for cannabis brands. 
Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, huh? It's because uh, that creativity element. <laughs> just the soul of a brand, you know? Like, brand, you know, one thing I saw at Lowell, Lowell, Lowell was kind of a mission-driven company. We were about, you know, heritage and craftsmanship and sustainability. And a lot of these cannabis brands I noticed were really mostly packaging. You know, they, they didn't really have a strong mission. If they did, it was like an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, we need to be about social, we need a social justice thing because we're a cannabis brand. It wasn't like born into the brand. Um, and they didn't really have a strong belief system. You know, people buy products from companies that believe what they believe. So you got to really know what you believe and you got to really believe it. And the best way to do that is just to be authentic. You know, if you, you know, the, the truth is the best lie. You know, if you, if you want to, if you want to, you know, manipulate people, just tell them the truth, as long as the truth is good. So anyway, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to manipulate people to their best interest with the truth about cannabis. Sounds like a nice, honest approach to me. Yeah, when I, that whole like, <laughs> manipulate people to your best interest thing, like when I was 18, stoned, playing frisbee with a friend, I had this thing, it was like, the people you love, I was like, I forgot my friend's name, I think it was Chris, I was like, Chris, I, I just realized something, the people you love manipulate you because they can, like, it's just in their nature, they have this idea of, from television and their parents and, you know, literature of what love should be, and then they meet you, and you're like, okay, this person's kind of close enough, I can get them the last you know, mile. And they like, you know, they like, how many, you're, since we're both guys, I'm sure you've dated a woman who kind of wanted to change this or that about you. And, and then yep. probably the only thing you end up changing is women. Um, <laughs> but my wife, when I met her, she wanted to change me. And I was like, that makes total sense. Like, as long as she wants to manipulate me to my best interest, like, she started changing the way I dress. And you know, she just lifted my game as a human being, and um, it was a win-win. So anyway, sorry for that divergent, you know, line of thinking, but, you know, it's all about improving people and sometimes like advertising and, and you know, persuasion can, sometimes it can be bad, but sometimes it can be great and send people in the right direction. And with that and your experience, you know, running so deep, um, I feel like it is such an awesome time for that. You know, like, would you agree that just in the past many years that it's become so much more prevalent to, be, you know, just be honest instead of kind of like the old, like kind of fake it till you make it or like whatever the other old advertising was. It's, it's kind of a beautiful time right now, right? 100%. Like you cannot fool the consumer. Like you can't, it, it used to be, you know, if the copy was good enough and the budget was big enough, you could almost sell anything. But now if the product's good enough, you don't even need a budget, you know. Um, Elon Musk, you know, spends nothing on marketing the Tesla. Um, you know, there's so many products that are that just sell themselves because they're that good. So, you know, not a lot. You know, that it, there's not a tremendous amount of products that fit in that category. So, the other alternative is really just telling the truth, being authentic, being true to yourself, because the consumer will smell it out in a second and you know and you you know you'll fail or you just won't scale so i'm i'm with you 100 on that 
Yeah. Th- and thank you. And like, thanks again for, you know, even like coming on the podcast, the true bud show today and talking about it. Cause that just shows, you know, how awesome you are in many ways, but it's just real talking to you. And you're obviously a very truthful and honest guy. And like with, with Pilgrim soul too, I just want to take a second too to dive in kind of, you know, the origination of just the name and, um, Oh yeah. That's how that started out. So, yeah. So that's a good thing as far as being authentic back to that. Um, so the poem is, it's, it comes from a poem, a William Butler Yeats poem. Yeats was a Nobel Prize winning poet who used cannabis. Uh, I think he partied with like Monet in Paris and he ate it for the most part. Um, but so it was hashish pretty much what he ate. And so the poem is about, is a poem that I used to seduce my wife like you know 20 years ago. And it's it's about... It's a, it's uh, maybe about Yeats looking back on his love for his wife and reflecting on, you know, the endurance of it. It's four lines. It's in the book, but I'll give you a dramatic read right now. It goes, how many loved your moments of glad grace and loved your beauty with a love false or true, but one man Love the pilgrim soul in you and love the sorrows of your changing face. So, you know, he's basically saying, you know, anybody can love a beautiful, graceful thing. It can be sincere or fake, um, but not many people really get the pilgrim soul in people. And, you know, I've loved you, you know, as your face changed and your beauty faded. And I got the girl in the end i'm still we're still married um but the pilgrim soul in con- i mean in context of the brand the pilgrim soul is this native creative explorer that is born inside of all of us that is there that we you know we need to open up and you know which i'm trying to really just let that flower and help that open up so that, that's where it co- that's where the name comes from and i tried other you know i had like names like originatives and just things that were just non man you know, they were, they, they sounded good and they were, they just weren't, they weren't soulful. You know, I mean, obviously with the name soul, soulful is soulful. And I tested it with people too. And, you know, people liked it. It just resonated. They're like, you know, they like that it was, a, it came from me, but they also liked the feel of it. The only people who didn't like it were like some women who were offended for American Indians, you know, as people, as people tend to get over PC and, you know, take on other people's fights and it's, you know, on the internet. And, and I, I, I was like, so I put it out there and someone did mention that when I was advertising Pilgrim Soul during Thanksgiving, I was advertising the journals and they're like, I can't believe you're advertising Pilgrim Soul um, during Thanksgiving, that's so insensitive. It's like, and then, <laughs> just people were defending like pilgrim soul a pilgrim is a spiritual traveler honey and then this woman was like i'm american indian and i'm totally cool with pilgrims and spirituality and creativity and cannabis like there's just like this string of people and i shared the poem with her and she just still couldn't accept it i was like you just like it it doesn't matter what you do something is going to trigger people i was like what are you how about free shipping? We have free shipping. There's people who are on ships who weren't free. Are you triggered by that? 
Well, and it goes back to kind of what, what we were mentioned earlier too, of like um, the set way of thinking, you know, not even taking maybe a couple moments to take a step back, even especially after reading something like, Oh, there's actually, you know, like just that set. I forget exactly the phrase you use, but you know, like that, that kind of set. All thinking. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. man, I, I love the name. Um, but like <laughs> when I first heard it, I, I thought like, kind of like you're saying, I, I took it to mean personally is like, originations like pilgrim to me was kind of like the like origination like the, the, the original soul kind of like you're saying like finding that oh. my my within me after talking to you deeper i've kind of formed this now but yeah yeah it, it, it's so that's interesting yeah yeah it's um it's an awesome concept man your story is really cool and it resonates with me for sure the whole brand message i appreciate it really like you know appreciate you having having me on the if we have more time i'll tell you some other things <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The um, so like the what's important about the brand also and like the, the the brand is really about this whole creativity movement that you know as we as in the, over the next coming decades like creativity is really going to be an essential skill when you think about artificial intelligence and outsourcing and sort of this concept of that we live in this world of abundance and so much choice. Like if, you know, there's the definitive skills. I have, I have a, you know, young kids. If you have like a 10 year old kid who's gonna be 30 in the year 2040, like how do you educate that kid? How do you educate that kid? So they're like employable in the year 2040, you know, with AI and all these, you know, everything happening. Like, so I've done a lot of research on that. My kids actually went to the school that Elon Musk started uh, called Ad Astra. And I work with these guys to kind of like figure out and answer some of these questions. And what was clear was that critical thinking skills are going to be needed. Um, collaboration skills, you know, working with other people, communication skills for sure. And creativity was a big part of it. The ability to make you know, non-linear connections um, um, to not like, to not obsess over specialization, but to kind of be able to put, take uh, the ideas from different areas and put them together. Cause that's something that AI is not gonna be as great at doing. AI will be able to do very special, you know, AI will probably get pretty smart and we'll all end up working for the computer. And, you know, there's that joke, the factory of the future um, will be run by, we'll basically have two employees, a dog and a man. The, uh, um, the man will be there, you know, basically a dog, a man and computers. The man will be there to feed the dog and the dog will be there to make sure the man doesn't touch the machines. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, so Thinking about that, you know, and like the ability to make nonlinear connections um, and, you know, hyperconnect things is going to be a, an important part of being relevant in, you know, the year 2040. So, you know, so that's why, so the brand is much bigger than just teaching people to get high and think of silly thoughts. It's about helping them gain really a competitive edge. As, as you read the quote when we first started, a competitive edge in you know, work and life, uh, being able to tap into that. If no, there's, no matter what you do, like say you're a lawyer, you know, if you're a lawyer 
I've used this example before, but if you're a lawyer in the year 2040 and you're not creative, your job is going to be done in Asia or by, you know, or by a computer, or you're going to just be able to buy it on legal zoom. So you need to, people need to differentiate themselves. And some people listening to this might be like, wow, I'm, you know, that's scary. I'm not really creative, but you know, I, I would disagree with anybody who says that someone wrote in and said, I'm using your journal. I'm not creative. I'm not nothing. I'm like, that is, that's impossible. Like <laughs> just follow the prompts. Like, you might not be Picasso, but everyone has ideas, you know, and, you know, maybe you have writer's block or something like that. But I was reading something yesterday about writer's block and this famous writer was saying, if you have writer's block, write a letter to your mother telling her that you have writer's block, tell her how you feel, tell her how awful it is. And just like, it's, it's an interesting technique. I haven't, I haven't used it. I just read about it. That is interesting. I like that. <laughs> you know, you know your mother and you can delve into your own emotions. So it helps you kind of just get things going. What are some other things that uh, you've done throughout, you know, your life when you've kind of maybe, hit, you know, gone down on maybe a little creative lull or has it been pretty even keel for you? Kind of what, what's your process, you know, bringing those creative juices back? I mean, we have the journal and we've been talking a little bit about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I like environment a lot. So I'll put myself, well, I certainly use, you know, I use canvas a lot. It really is like a, it's a hack, a creative hack for me, you know, almost hundred percent of the time. It just jogs me out of my mind, you know, out of my situation, mushrooms and other things like that are, you know, certainly popular. Um, and I've, I've used them throughout my career, um, but also environment, you know, putting myself in a beautiful environment um going on walks um is also really an interesting thing that i do like and a lot of people have done that from dickens to steve jobs you know they go on walks and the idea of like doing a simple thing and thinking sometimes when people have add they can't focus on something so they need a simple task to do while they're thinking of something else like i would go on the elliptical machine with when and you know I take um, ideas from work and I get on this my the elliptical machine at the gym get high and I would it would help me focus because I, I can't think of three things at once two things I can kind of think of if I have a really simple thing to do so it would eliminate me from wandering from my my task like my kid had trouble focusing and he's a smart kid but we would and he was studying for the like a spelling bee in the fifth grade or fourth grade and he just wouldn't focus like i was just dude like we're focused i'm helping you I, I only have so much time and he just was like just meandering so i gave him like a, just a simple game to play on his phone as we ran words from the spelling bee and it, it was really interesting example it was exactly what i do um it helped him he had just like simple tasks he needed to think about and it really helped him focus on you know on in this case, spelling bee words. And I think you got a runner up in the spelling bee. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's um thank thanks for sharing those. It's all those um little things. I love going on walks too. I love just just get a sun too. There's something about like you're just that environment. You're saying getting a little sun on the face can go a long way for me. 
freshened up and also to even just going outside or when you know when I'm shooting a video sometimes or just editing or doing something like that I'll find myself almost getting a little stale I'll just go outside like you're saying for like a couple yeah. minutes just get a couple breaths I'll come back in so rejuvenated I'm like sometimes that's all all I need is just a little fresh air a little something like that just get the juices flowing. or maybe even watching a movie like I was just telling my kid the story of I was Forrest Gump was on and I remember I had this company in before the internet, you can listen to music on the telephone, I think, as I was saying. And I remember trying to, I was selling the idea to record labels and I was just failing. And sometimes you get in that mood where, you know, you almost pick up the phone. I don't know if you've ever sold anything, but it, when you fail a lot, you're, you almost pick up the phone and you have this vibe, like, you don't want to buy anything from me, do you? Like, you don't say that, but it's just implied and you just continue to fail. So I'm looking, I was like, I'm going to ruin my whole business if I, if I continue to work today. And I always feel guilty from not working, but I went to see Forrest Gump and I just, you know, I just took the day, took the middle of the day. I left, went to a movie and it just changed my whole outlook on life. And sometimes when I, when I go to see a movie, I become the movie. I become the vibe of the movie. You know, you walk out of a horror movie and you're like, everything is scary. And <laughs> Same thing when you go see like a happy inspirational movie. So, and I remember coming back that day and and just succeeding and ripping it and closing a bunch of sales at the end of the day. I mean, we worked like an, an hour and a half that whole day, but it was like more successful than eight hours of another day and definitely more successful if I stayed there uh, that whole day. So that was kind of a lesson to me at that moment. I was probably in my young 20s. Um, but sometimes you gotta like, you need to take a break, do something different. It's like, it. it Again, if you you have a guilt and you always feel like you need to be working and doing something, you know, for me, the lesson was you need to, like, you are doing something. Like, if you, you might, might feel like you're screwing off, but you're actually improving your life. And that's actually kind of coming full circle. That's what I meant the journal to be. Like, it feels like you're screwing off. Like, you doing this journal and getting high, it really feels like, you should be doing something you know, like this is just too fun. You should, you know, this can't be good for you. Um, but it, it really is kind of a self-help book that's hidden in these sort of inane, funny questions that we ask you to answer. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that too, because I feel that same way. If I'm not doing something, I'll definitely feel guilty. And it's like I, the uh, last week I did the same thing. I went on a walk because I was doing something. I'm like, I just, today I'm just not, you know, feeling. I, I I need to take a step back. I went on a walk. I came back. I felt great, and that's awesome too. That like it came full circle with the journal like that. Now I have another way to do that. Um, you know, throughout the day, I, I'm probably yeah. end up using it late night is when I've been looking at it. But I think nighttime. I don't know. I've always said too. I need to. I've always said I've never done it. Is do like a dream journal or get up in the morning and journal right away. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe yeah. I can start using this in the morning. Maybe that would help me more get creative too, right? Right off the bat, opening the day up with a little. Oh, that's interesting. That be a cool way to do it too. I mean, the thing is new. There's so many. Like, I haven't. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people about how they're using it. Some people are doing it on Zoom calls with friends. They're doing it with their husbands and wives, or boyfriends and girlfriends. There's an exercise in there called word links, and there's two seemingly unrelated words, and you have to make a connection. So, an example would be like tambourine and squirrel like not connected but and then you have to create four or five words that create a bridge from one word to the other or senator and duck hooker and hot sauce 
remote remote control and divorce which sounds perfect I, for my from uh there was word matching for my family we love playing like taboo and stuff that's yeah. kind of what, what remind me of is just like fun word games like that. that's awesome so what's interesting is when you do that with like a partner it's it's remarkable people are, are laughing at like that's how you got from squirrel to tambourine like that's the path you took i never <laughs> would like so it it can be really fun to share these exercises with people just to see how they think and you know and just laugh at yourself and laugh at your friends yeah and it must be cool for you like you're saying to hear this different feedback from people you know from just different ways they use it to what they've experienced down the line too uh, you know so you said it came out what um how long ago you- uh i really started selling it in like october but I, I was testing it in you know June, July. I got like 5,000 units and I put them out there and they went like really quickly. So then I had to order more and it took a couple months to get them. And I ordered like the 5,000 units went so fast that I ordered like 70,000 more. Oh damn. I mean, I've never, you know, I never published, you know, that's a big risk. And then I just do it when I was selling those in December. I just ordered another sixty thousand of them. I'm all, I'm out of books. Well, I have a little bit. I've slowed down my marketing because I I'll just run out of books, so <laughs> um, or journals. So um, it's it's. The, it, I mean, we all want to. You know, the ideal, the utopian, you know, job is when you you get paid to think about the things you like to think about, and you you know you you make money. And you make an impact, you know, you, you make people's lives better. I, mean, I can't imagine anybody who doesn't, you know, who doesn't think of that as, you know, as the ultimate kind of, you know, job description, you know, the things worth doing without question are the things we do for other people. It's hard to do that, you know, in, in uh, it's hard to find jobs like that. People, you know, coming out of college today, it's more inbred, you know, back I, I've always been at jobs like two years and then I got to do something new, which was unusual, like in my generation, you know, people would like work at something for decades and, you know, get a pension. And I'm actually, that, that's a little bit before my time, the pension part, but now everyone's jumping around, experiencing so many different things, trying to find their, you know, their groove. And that's definitely the strategy. You got to, you know, Stella's got to get her groove back. <laughs> yeah. And, and to your point, yeah, everybody's got different, you know, so many different gigs. You talk to, you know, the average person, you get into an Uber, they're like, oh, I have three other jobs. I'm doing this, you know, so on and so forth. It's, but it brings it back to your point too. That was, I really like that you made with the creativity aspect of how, you know, when I opened up the show talking about it, but like, it's just, it's been hitting me throughout talking to you, especially in the future, how important this is, because it will be the separating factor between somebody who's not creative and somebody that's creative. Yeah. The creative person is going to land the opportunity, the gig, whatever it may be over somebody yeah. who hasn't worked on that muscle. Another thing that I mentioned, but I didn't extrapolate on was this concept of abundance, that we live in this world, we have so much choice. You know, obviously this is not relevant for, you know, Africa, or, you know, or some third world countries in the world. But when you live in a developed country like America, Australia, you know, UK, Europe, um, you have so much choice in the things you buy. You go to the store to buy a blender and it's not enough to just blend. You know, <laughs> function is not enough anymore. We need meaning and story 
and sustainability and you know so many different things we look for in the in design clearly you know because that you know you're going to be blending maybe less than one percent of your life while that thing sits in the kitchen so you you there's all these things that we look for in product and all these things that are put into products that we buy and services that we buy are byproducts of creativity you know storytelling and imagination and design these are all things that you know that we look for and meaning that are part of you know a, a part of our of creativity so that's another reason you know why creativity is really essential in you know, the 21st century and becoming more and more essential yeah and i'm excited to share this with you know my family and stuff because we're all pretty i like think we're all pretty creative people but this will make an awesome gift too you know come come their birthdays i might just have to i'm uh have seven brothers and sisters so i might have to get oh, wow. up, send them out you know once uh on their birthday where, where, where are you in the birth order i'm the third one down the third like the middle child yeah pretty kind of, to be a middle child in your family yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it's a good place you know i always had the but it's a big gap you know young about 20 some year gap between the oldest and youngest but uh it's taught me a lot man and uh like you were saying earlier, I mean, that's what it's all about is the people, you know, family, friends, and just creating, totally. that, just creating that a world around you. Cause that's what I've been wanting. And, you know, like you said, like the dream gig is basically to kind of live on your own terms while doing good, you know, have that freedom and be able to have the freedom to do good in the world is what I've been chasing. It's a process, but you also inspired me earlier when you're saying that creativity tends to grow too, as you get older, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I always worried about that. I, I remember going to this Early on, I had this. I was uh, chief marketing officer of MySpace, and I was overseeing MySpace music. And so I used to go to a lot of concerts. And I went to this early Black Eyed Peas show, um, and I saw this guy. He was like, he must must have been like seventy, or and he was like, looked cool. Like he just, this guy looks so cool. I like, I didn't know who he was, but he just radiated like cool. And he was like wearing a three piece suit too. He wasn't like dressed you know, in any groovy way. It was just, I was like, this dude is dialed in. I don't know who he is. Anyway, he ended up being like the drummer for the Rolling Stones. But um, <laughs> it was very, it was like just inspirational to see like, wow, man, I like, again, I, I maybe worry a little too much about losing, you know, not being cool when I, you know, as I age, but I think to stay, and cool is kind of a silly word, but to say to stay relevant, it's about idea generation. Like to be open to new ideas, and even if you're not able to generate new ideas, to be open to new ideas. One of my favorite, you know, I wrote a couple quote books too. Um, I put together a couple quote books. One of my favorite all-time quotes that I live my life by is, "Where there's an open mind, there's always a frontier." So, you know, there's just something to discover. You can't, you know, you can't close it. There's, you know perspective is an, is an endless search. Your opinions are based on what you know. Should you gain more information, they should change. And the other quote that I use with that, my second favorite quote, is only the insane take themselves seriously. Because when you're stoned, or you're out there on the frontier, or you're trying new things, like you can't take yourself seriously. That's when people get paranoid and have a bad time. You got to you know, always be willing to kind of laugh at yourself and be like, oh, this is not me. This is an experiment or this is not me. I'm just high. You know, like you can't like 
I give a lot of advice to people who you know, get high for the first time because it's legal and people are trying, and, you know, trying and they smoke like some really strong sativa or they eat an edible and they're just way too high and they, you know, I, they never go back to cannabis. It like, doesn't agree with them. So try to hedge that. Tell people to like, don't judge yourself for like 20 minutes. Like sometimes there's a gestation period. You need to catch the wave, even for experienced smokers. Like I'll smoke and I'll, I'll be much higher than I want to be sometimes. And I just breathe, drink some water and pretty much hundred percent of the time I catch that wave and have a really fun, creative experience. And like you said, it can happen to the experienced person. I was talking to my buddy today on his podcast, uh, Mike Mazzalotti is a comedian. He was saying he smokes all the time. And he said there was something, he smoked this joint and all of a sudden he was having like an anxiety attack and it just took a little bit to settle out. He went outside, went on a little walk and just mellowed into it. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. I mean, I've, I've, I've had, yeah, I had a crazy bad experience at, at this restaurant Koi in LA. I was, I think I just got off a plane. So I think part of it was like being really dehydrated. And sometimes when I get high, my body's like, you need to drink water. It just tells me what, what I need. Um, but I couldn't move. I was paralyzed at this bar. And I, you know, and, and then paralyzed and paranoid and people, you know, are they looking at me? It took me like 15 minutes just to move like 10 feet outside the door. And this and I was supposed to meet somebody there. They, they were like two hours late. I've never waited two hours to meet someone in my life. <laughs> I can't even believe they showed up. And I was even more disappointed that I was there. But if they had arrived, I mean, it really took me a long time to get my shit together. And I, we had, you know, we had our meeting. Um, but I was, if they had showed up earlier, it would have been awful. So it all worked out. But that was the one time when I just had like, it must have been some kind of anxiety attack. Yeah, it was just awful. And it's cool that you, um, you're raising awareness for that, especially for the beginner user, because I try to talk about the same thing and say it too, you know, as always, you know, just start slow. You know, even if people do that, though, you know, I, on my, my ex-girl, I gave her a little bite of one of these little mints and it just took her off. Like I could eat 20 of them, you know? Yeah. So I, I just tell everybody, you know, it affects everybody differently back to like the strains that you're, you know, in these live resin pens, it's going to have different fun effects for everybody. Um, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm really excited to try those again. I know I keep talking about it. I've been geeking out on live resin for the past couple months. Um, not smoking as much, not doing as many vapes as usual, but live resin ones are always hitting me, right? Any particular brands that you like? Um, I've had uh, Absolute Extracts is pretty good. Um, I had, what's the one I had more recently? Um, shoot, I'm spacing out, man. There's um, the uh, Raw Garden. A, yep, raw gun. Yep, and I bought their stuff too. I and I I like buying too, like the live resin or other stuff, and loading it in my vape pen with a little attachment, so so I can do it on the go. Um, I'm not huge on like taking dabs all the time, but I do like right. that fresh concentrate taste. You know the terpenes, everything going on, like we were saying the yeah. entourage effect. So Lowell has like a little injection gun they sell. Of, oh really? Uh, I think it's rosin, which is you know even better. You can. It's a harder process, more laborious process, but rosin is a solventless, you know, process, which is, you know, again, it's in its super um, full spectrum, uh, yeah. full spectrum oil. 
those whole the processes of these and like how you said you have you know from narrowing down thousands or you said you guys were kind of focusing on a hundred after all of those yeah. that whole process to me is really interesting too of just finding finding that what puts together like you said oh it needs a little more of this taste in there a little more of this that, that's really exciting yeah. to me, man totally so the um i always you ever i don't know you well, you have a podcast so you have to listen to yourself all the time but it's it's really hard to listen like i've been going off just kind of rambling during this podcast and thank you for letting me do that and making me feel comfortable in doing that um but i always like cringe when i listen to myself back on a podcast it's, you know it just I, I just think a lot of people do that and oh, i do too uh, I, gonna, I don't like editing them <laughs> yeah i'm gonna cringe a lot for this one <laughs> no man that, that, that'll be on my end man you've been uh providing with me with some uh you know good ideas man great conversation and just being real like i'm trying to be real drop some knowledge infotainment i like that um, I, you know i've been around for you know and experiencing a lot of stuff and you know and had a lot of successes and a lot of failures which i learned a, probably a lot more from the failures as we do um but you know the you know it's all about sharing like you know again that's what pilgrim soul is about and that's what um you know that's what life is about really again so kind of one last thing i was on i was talking to a friend of mine earlier um and he asked me like this my best thought while high and i gave this stupid answer i wish i i, I just couldn't think of anything um but the probably the best and this is like sort of like imparting life advice going back to that um i i was on, on my 30th birthday party i took mushrooms and someone asked me if i was happy and this was all before like all the happiness research came out from yale and harvard and everybody and i was like whoa that was like you know obviously i was tripping but it was the most profound question i was like i don't know like, how do you know if you're happy? And then once you're happy and you realize it, it's like, you almost have to start all over again. Yeah, like, you know, you reset the bar again, you have to work towards something else. So I developed this barometer for happiness that evening at 30 years old, uh, which I still use today. And I'm gonna share it with you. And uh, it is based on five things, which are health, love, family, friendship, and work. So. Um, you know, health is always number one, unless you have it, then you take it for granted. Work is kind of interesting. A lot of people put that number one, and certainly there's a time in your life when it's really important. But when you're, you know, when you're on your deathbed and kind of a morbid thought, but what you're going to be thinking about is love, family, and friendship. The stuff that really makes us happy are relationships. When people ask us, hey, how you doing? We tend to go to work first, because I think it's probably the most measurable but less invasive thing to talk about maybe but it's definitely like it's weird because i think about this a lot but it's not the most important thing um i've always put love first hence pilgrim soul poem um and i find that's made me pretty happy over time you know really focusing on love and love relationships and family um has made me pretty happy i have a lot of really successful friends like you know some of the most successful people on the planet. 
and none of them, not a lot of them, experience a lot of happiness. You know, they've they've given up. Um, you know, they've given up love and family, and in a lot of cases, to change the world. And they're important people, and they've made a big impact on a lot of people. But um, you know, and some of them have well balanced lives, but it's difficult. It's really difficult. So my parting advice is the barometer for happiness is just when someone asks you if you're happy, think about love, think about family, work, friendships, health. They don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to be at your end game. It's a way of, you know, happiness is a way of traveling. You know, you just need to be making forward progress in some and not all and be aware of where you're going in each of them. And that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> well, well, thank you for those beautiful words of uh, parting advice right there, man, because I kind of try to live by that, but I have never thought about it or broken it into something that can be, you know, be said that eloquently and just nice, man. That's, I'm a strive for that, man. Thank you. Thanks again for coming on today. Man, I really appreciate it. Um, see you soon. I'll get your info and send you some samples of the product. Oh, you know, I'm going to be looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sean. Peace, man. Bye.